take sexy teen murder mysteries just as seriously as you do. I'm your host Cherie and today I'm joining you from what feels like the bowels of hell after it being so cold for so long. I mean it's like 80 degrees in mid-February because you know hashtag Texas but two days ago it was 18 degrees when I got up in the morning so it's crazy. I, I bet you noticed that we have some new intro music and a new album cover so let me know what you think. Um, so all that being said, you, you'll probably hear my air conditioner blowing because while I love all four of you guys, I want to provide the best audio quality I can. I don't love you enough to sit with the sun blazing on me without a little air conditioner going on. That girl's got to breathe too. Just saying. Today we're talking about Season 1, Episode 6 of Riverdale, Chapter 6, Faster Pussycats, Kill Kill. So this title comes from a 1965 Russ Meyer film about three go-go dancers who take a young girl hostage. They meet an old man and try to steal a pile of cash that they believe he's sitting on. So if there are similarities, I'm going to let you draw them on your own because I'm having a super hard time with it. I mean, I, I guess we've got like somebody locked up sort of like a hostage, maybe. I don't know. It's crazy. Anyway, the episode starts with a flashback in Betty's childhood room where we get our first glimpse of Polly. And she's trying to help Betty go to sleep without her because apparently Alice doesn't let the girls sleep in the same bed anymore. Polly does turn on the creepiest nightlight in all of TV history to help Betty fall asleep. Betty still has said nightlight at present day. And do you think it's haunted? Because I kind of think it's haunted. Like maybe it's like a Doctor Who thing where the negative energy from the nightlight feels Betty's dark side or something. I don't know. <laughs> it's just so creepy. Alice is putting away Betty's clean laundry instead of making her grown-ass child do it herself when Betty reminds Alice that she invited Jughead over for breakfast this morning. And how in the hell does Alice have time to do laundry and make a full breakfast before Betty has to be at school? Like, I can barely get my ass out of bed and out the door on time. How is she doing this? Surprisingly, though, Alice isn't a bit perturbed by Jughead joining them. She's just like, oh, okay. So Jughead is pounding some pancakes, you know, like he do, when Alice tries to give him shit for Betty's obsession with the murder of one of her classmates and potential brother-in-law. But Betty stands up for him and is like, no. <laughs> I asked him to help me, not the other way around. You shut up with Jughead. But she does give him, like, the secret nod to put the damn fork down already and ask where the bathroom is, knowing that Alice will insist on showing him to where it is so she, so Betty can do some super sleuthing and go through her mother's checkbook. Alice actually keeps her checkbook register filled out, which is bananas to me. Like, who does that? All that shit is online. Maybe this is why I have many problems. I don't know. So, at Archie's house, he's digging through his old toy box, I guess? to find a guitar strap, which you think he would have already dug out by now considering he's a very serious musician and all. You can't see me, but I'm making a giant jerk off motion. <laughs> but while he's digging, he finds a wolf mask that scares him. So 
why didn't they throw it away? But I really thought we were going to get an interesting plot line about Archie being afraid of wolves or something, or maybe starting a storyline that ties to Jughead the Hunger comic series, where Jughead is a werewolf and Betty is a werewolf hunter. But no, <laughs> he's just going to imagine that his bros from the football team are wearing them while they mildly heckle him at variety show tryouts, but whatever. My favorite thing about this variety show situation is that Kevin is hosting them, so we get some real Kevin-heavy scenes, and those are always my fave. Archie tries to audition with an original song that he wrote himself. Always a bad choice. Always. Always go with the cover. Archie. But then he chokes and runs off stage, much to Josie's delight and Veronica's horror. So, But Val, who is a very patient Archie sitter, sits down with him in the hallway and tries to talk him down from his stage fright fit. He wants her to join him on stage and she's like, um, I'm sorry, but I'm kind of a big deal. I can't play with amateurs like you because, bitch, I'm a pussycat. And also Josie would have my ass. So, in the blue and gold office, Betty and Jag go through the pictures of Alice's checkbook register and find an entry to the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. And while Betty tries to ponder what the words mean, Jughead Googles it like a good boy, and he tells her that it's a home for troubled youths. And she leans over her shoulder, putting her boobs right in his face. I swear to God. Like, if you don't believe me, watch it again. It is, like, blatant. At lunch, Veronica literally places herself between Val and Archie, so guess where her, uh, or her, um, motivations lie, and tells him that she persuaded Kevin to let Archie back in the variety show, and she's even willing to be a duet partner for him because she sings like a nightingale. She even says, be the bay to my, <laughs> no, she even says, be the J to my bay." Like, the brass ones on this girl. I mean, has she ever felt self-conscious once in her life? Like, Jesus Christ. She must have the most amazing therapist or something. I don't know. But there's a really cute nonverbal exchange between Betty and Jughead while Veronica is, like, going on and on about how awesome she is. Where Jughead finishes his bag of chips, looks at her lunch, makes a little face like, eh? May I? And she gives him the rest of her food. But it was really cute. But... Again, where is he living? Who is packing his lunch? Where do I sign the adoption papers? Do they need to be notarized? Cause like, I think I know a girl at the local pack and mail and we can just, we can just get this done and taken care of. He can move into my guest room. It'll be fine. At pussycat practice, Josie is not being very nice. There's a ton of tension in the room. So Val tries to use her working with Archie as a weapon and Josie flips shit as predicted. Val rips off her cat ears and Josie says, don't let the door hit you on the way out while making my favorite wave gif ever. Like, I haven't been able to use it yet, but I just want one chance to use it on someone. Sometime when I can just be like, bye bitch, and do that little wave. Oh, I love Josie. So at the Pembroke, Hermione is crunching some numbers at, in oh, not at the Pembroke. Just kidding. I just always assume when I see Hermione in my notes that it's going to be at the Pembroke because she lives there. But we're actually at Andrew's construction and she's crunching some numbers. And when Fred comes in, she tells him that he doesn't have enough money to cover payroll for more than a month. And he's the ultimate good guy. So he rambles on some moral bullshit about how he can, he can always rely on his guys 
so they need to always be able to rely on him. Hermione is straight up embarrassed at his lack of cutthroatery, whatever you call that. So he tells her that he's going to hit up the mayor to try to win the bid for the Sodale project, which is what the city is planning to do at the old drive-in. Hopefully, like we don't know what the Sodale project is, but hopefully it's an apartment where Jughead can live because for all we know, he's park benching it. It's been like two episodes since we saw that he was living in the drive-in and then got kicked out. He's a main character. He's part of what we call the core four, which is Betty, Jughead, um, Archie, and Veronica. I don't know why that took me so long to get out, but where's he living? I can't, I can't say it enough. We will find out. Just spoiler alert. We're going to find out where he's living, but as of right now in the series, we still have no idea. There's some like weird hand action with Hermione and Fred that leads to a full-on makeout session that... Veronica spots from like 50 yards away in the parking lot through a dirty window as she's bringing some flowers to her mom's desk. So not only is she just like overly confident, she also has the eyesight of Superman apparently. But it's, you know, dun dun dun. Archie's dad is kissing my mom. Zzz, Riverdale. Love a good title card in the midst of all the drama. After commercial break, Fred tells Archie that he's bought tickets for all of his guys to see Archie at the variety show, even though we literally just learned that he has a major cash flow problem. Oh, and he'll be taking Hermione. Hope that's not weird, son. But Archie doesn't think it's weird. Instead, he's like super into it. So, I mean, way to be cool, Archie. Most kids are like, no, I just want you to get back with my mom. The end, even though apparently it didn't work. So, at the mayor's office, which holds up a sign for the 75-year jubilee, which is both a reference to how long the comics have been in circulation at this point, and foreshadowing to an event that will happen at the end of the season. So, that's cool. Nice. Nice on the, uh, the prop master here. There's also what appears to be an architect's model of Riverdale. Like, think a la Beetlejuice or even Pretty Little Liars Endgame. Stupid-ass board game. <laughs> but... <laughs> but less sinister than both of those, I'm assuming. I still want a closer look at it because I'm just a creep for details like that. I just, I just want to see a full layout of the town. Anyway, Josie is being very vulnerable here and letting her mom know that Val quitting the Pussycats is terrible because, you know, Val's a real deal. She's irreplaceable. So then Mayor Mom goes over here is like, no, 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 Josie, <laughs> you are the lead singer. Anyone but you is disposable. Oh, and your dad's going to make a rare appearance in this episode. So, by God, please find a new cat, someone skinny and beautiful, to which I said, hard fuck you, ma'am. But not as skinny and beautiful as you, Josie. Oh, and a woman of color. Please don't forget our branding. Okay. So, I love that the whole idea is to give women of color a platform here in the band because it's about goddamn time, but I hate that she referred to it as branding. Like, that really sullies something that could be wonderful. I just don't like it. So, but anyway, Josie's mom grabs her by the face and says, Josie, don't disappoint. No pressure or anything. Jesus, she's a little girl. At the Pembroke, Veronica confronts her mom about kissing Fred. They discuss what's going to happen when Daddy gets out of jail, and neither one of them know. Hermione apologizes because it must be confusing. Uh, you think? <laughs> you 
good grief. In the student lounge, Archie and Valor singing I Got You, which is actually a really good song. One of the better originals from the season. At least I think it's an original. I don't really know other than I've never heard it outside of Riverdale, but it just, it's really good. It really showcases both KJ and Haley Law's vocal talents here. It doesn't show off like how fucking awesome he is at guitar, but it is nice to see him playing. So Veronica walks in on them singing and I fucking each other and all but throws up in her mouths. She throws a total hissy fit here. She acts like a total jealous bitch to Val and I've kind of hate Veronica in this scene, except when she calls Archie a ginger Judas, which made me lol. <laughs> she tells him that his father kissed her mother, and Val's like, okay, I've got more chill than everybody else in this entire school or town combined, and this is weird, so I'm just gonna leave. I'm just gonna bounce. You two figure out your drama without me, because I don't want to be a part of it. Peace. But Archie stops her so she can, I don't know, witness this little argument. Like, why? Archie is so clueless here. Like, read the room, bro. He tries to explain to Veronica why her feelings are invalid and that it's okay that their parents are hooking up because his parents are split up and her dad's, um, you know, incarcerated. Oh, and also Archie's like super into Val right now, so he and Veronica can be step-siblings without it being weird this week. And then he tries to offer her her part back in their little duet, pissing off both Val and Veronica in the same breath. My man, shit like this is why the collective internet thinks you're a dumbass. You're better than this, Archie. I just know it. Somewhere in that heart of gold is like an iota of common sense. Somewhere. Let's find it. Veronica storms out of the lounge and right into the music room demanding to be the next pussycat. I love this next scene so much. It's that very tropey, popular girls walking down the hallway while everybody stares at them. That is in literally every teen show, movie, book, presumably play, if there is such a thing. I think it's some sort of requirement when you agree to a high school show. Anyway, this time it's the Pussycats Veronica edition and they are fucking slaying. It's beautiful. Both Josie and Mel are like killing it. Eventually they get to Val and Archie leaning up against the lockers and Val just looks crushed. You can tell that like the last fucking person she wanted to see those ears on is Veronica. Love it. Archie just looks slightly bewildered but also amused because he has no idea what sort of hornet's nest he just shook. Good gosh. In the next scene we see a bus pull away to reveal Betty and Jughead who apparently skipped school today to check out this Sisters of Quiet Mercy place. They act like it's a very daunting and scary building, but honestly, it just looks like a big church, like not threatening at all. If it were like a cinder block building with bars on the windows, then yeah, scary. Anyway, Jughead says, don't judge a home for troubled youths by its cover, right? Expecting Betty to laugh as if she's not totally preoccupied with getting in there to find her sister. I mean, who has been turning on Betty's possessed nightlight for her since Polly was sent away? This poor girl needs her sister back so she can get some sleep already. Jeez. But she just tightens her ponytail. That gives her extra courage. And they walk right in. She talks to a nun whose bun is so tight, it might be adversely affecting her vision. 
but after checking Betty's ID, she just leads her down the hall to Polly's room, which is empty because it's currently silent reflection time, and Petty, and, gosh, Petty, yep, I just said that, Polly likes to chill in the Garden of Deliverance during that hour, <laughs> good grief, can I just say, this was really fucking easy for Betty to get access, like, all she had to do was show her ID and walk right in, but, anyway, the nun shows Betty to the Garden of Deliverance, and she sees Polly, and oh shit, Polly's pregnant. Dun, dun, dun. Cut to commercial, and when they come back, we get a real glimpse at what a piece of wet toast Polly is. Okay, I'm gonna just lay it all out here. I cannot stand Polly. Nothing against the actress, Tira Sophie. I have no idea how to pronounce that correctly. You're great. I'm sure she followed all the directions perfectly, like she did exactly what the director wanted her to do, but the character as a whole just falls totally flat. Just sucks. Super boring, super annoying. Because like, if Betty went into some sort of fugue state in episode 3 where she forgot she was Betty and she thought she was Polly in her little BDSM outfit and wig, shouldn't Polly be like punk or goth or something darker than Little Miss Susie Sunshine? It just doesn't explain the story that we've already set up, nor does it lay out anything interesting for a character. It's a real misstep by the writing team on this one, I think. Anyway, we get all of the exposition that we've been wanting, and Polly tells us that when Jason found out about the baby, he was so happy they decided they were going to run away together on the 4th of July and go to this farm upstate. I guess where, like, all the dead dogs go? <laughs> I don't know. But that morning, after packing her bags and trying to leave before anyone else woke up, Sister Tightbun and Men in the White Scrubs were waiting in the kitchen to haul her off to this place, Hannibal Lecter style. Oh, Betty, have you talked to him? Does he know I'm here? And Betty, and he says, who, Polly? Jason! <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> and Betty's just like, uh... And then Polly trips a little bit. She starts going off about, like, what, you know, she still remembers where to go and what the plan is. And Betty's like, stop! Get your shit together. So then, without telling Polly that Jason died, Betty tells Polly that Jason died. And just as Sybil starts to really lose her shit here... Sister Tightbun shows up and tells Betty to leave with her right now, young lady. In the music room at school, the empty keyboard just sits all alone. Aww. Veronica, though, is texting throughout practice, and Josie will not have that shit. Uh-uh. Her dad is skipping Jazz Fest V. Jeez. Veronica says, look, sorry if you have daddy issues, but mine are so much worse, okay? And Josie's like, I'm sorry about your dad. And that just calms everything. So conflict over, I guess. Whatever. At the other music practice, Val freaks on Archie for doing something that I don't fully understand. But apparently he, like, fucked up something musical. I don't know. But she has a lot riding on this, too. Uh, and Archie's like, uh, you mean with Josie and Mel? No, Archie with the IRS. A fucking chorus with Josie and Mel. Like, Yes. Then this really weird thing happens. Val tells him how she met Josie and Mel while they were working at a rec at a record store. And, like, 
they're like 15 or 16 years old. When were they working at this record store? Like, in the future, before they found a DeLorean or a TARDIS to hop into? Like, no, seriously, what the hell? Like, they're not in college. They're not young adults. They're in high school. And, like, pretty early years of high school. Archie, we know, is in 10th grade. Nobody's working anywhere yet. Well, except for Jughead at the drive-in. But, like, I mean, nobody, like, has had past jobs before. Um... And then we go back to the Sisters of Quiet Mercy, where Betty tries to call Jughead from the office, but there's no reception. And then Alice busts in, and she's like, I pay the sisters a lot of money. Don't you think they notify me if Polly gets a visitor? Ouch, Betty. Should have thought thought that one through. Eesh. Um, so Alice is hauling Betty out as some orderlies escort Jughead out behind her. When we see Polly turn a corner, you know, just like wandering the halls of this quote-unquote prison for teens on her own free will and cognizance. But she sees her mom and she screams at Alice for not telling her about Jason. And Alice really does look heartbroken here when she says, baby, it was for your own good. And Polly sounds like an actual teenager when she yells back, mom, you always say that, but it's not true. And more orderlies show up and haul Polly away probably for some like shock treatment or something but Betty and Polly get one last hug in before orderlies tear them apart and Betty tells her that she's gonna get her out of there then we go to the most awkward fucking dinner ever well at least since you know the last episode at Thornhill but still Fred tries to be cool to Josie's dad Miles like as in Miles Davis you got it but he shuts that shit down (laughs) Miles is not having it he's like I don't care about your salt of the earth little act Fred Josie tells her dad how Archie Yoko Ono would bail out of the band right in front of Archie and I don't think Archie even gets the reference like I think he had to google that when he got home but then again did any of the kids who are in the target demographic for the show get the reference like obviously Yoko Ono and the Beatles drama was a well before my time but the Beatles anthology as a book and then like the Beatles one CD which had all their number one hits on it came out when I was in the ninth grade so like there's an entire generation of us who were super into the Beatles for like a solid six months in like the year 2000 I still love them just not like drawing hearts around George Harrison's face anymore it was a really weird time in young adults life when we were all just like really into the Beatles uh, Miles thinks Val gave their act some well-needed dignity ouch to Josie shit dude Fred tries to be the good guy as usual and says, oh, hey, you know, it's all about fun, right? But apparently Miles McCoy doesn't know what fun even means. We learn that Josie is named after Josephine Baker. Miles looks at Archie and says, you don't even know who that is, do you? Poor guy. He cannot catch a fucking break in this dinner. (laughs) Poor Archie. Fred stands up to start his presentation to break up all the tension. So we're going to catch the end of that in a little bit. In Betty's room, Hal and Alice are, you know, kind of rightfully asking Betty what the hell she thought she was doing by going behind their back and deliberately disobeying them. So she counters with straight up accusing Hal of murder. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Like as if he's going to admit it. But then what we think sounds like sobs is actually Alice laughing her ass off because Hal is so goddamn white bread. He couldn't ever kill anybody. 
He doesn't have a corrupt bone in his body. <laughs> Great scene. Mei-Chan is a national treasure. We must protect her at all costs, please. At the back of the presentation, Fred's doing a great job, and he's wrapping it up. Miles, though, says, you know, you'd think with all that salt-of-the-earth crap, I didn't think you'd be just another dollar-chasing gentrifier. Jesus. Don't, don't keep any of your thoughts to yourself, Mr. McCoy. Don't, don't do that. The mayor says she would like to offer Fred a, the bid, but it's already been given to an anonymous buyer, and it would take two signatures to cancel the deal. So why the hell did you let this charade happen, ma Madam Mayor? I mean, seriously. At Pops, apparently after the dinner, Josie and Veronica swap parental horror stories. Another great American pastime amongst teens. At the Andrews house, oh, Archie's just so worried about tanking the variety show, even though all of the other main characters are dealing with major family drama, their futures, you know, the murder of their classmate, and this little red-haired fucker is worrying about his performance at the town variety show. Somebody needs to be like, help me get your priorities in order, please. Fred's a good dad, though, and says it doesn't matter if he goes out there and is amazing or if he bombs like Electric Dylan at a folk concert, which is a great reference that Archie admits that it fell on deaf ears. I love when they sneak one in for the parents. It's just so fun. But either way, Fred is going to love and support his son because of course he is. The only parent that is petty enough to like not support their kid despite their performance is Josie's dad, I guess. And can I make a simple request? Can we have a man of color on this show who isn't an asshole or a two-dimensional character like Pop Tate? Like, can we just have a good person who is nuanced and not a dick but is also a person of color because everybody's just awful on the show <laughs> unless they're Fred like he's the only good guy and while I love Luke Perry I just kind of hate that he's like a straight white male and he's like the only like truly good guy um Hermione wants Veronica to sign the contract that would give um give Fred the Sodale deal because, surprise, when your dad went to jail, we made you a partner in our corrupt business. Great parenting, Hermione. But Veronica doesn't want any part of Hermione's affair, so she's like, fuck you and your fucking boyfriend, and bolts out the damn door. Hermione gives us some dubious eyes and just straight up forges Veronica's name. Y'all do not fuck with Hermione Lodge. <laughs> she, will, she will pull some low blows. Archie tells Val that he doesn't want to be the guy that broke up the Beatles, so you should play with the pussycats. And after seeing how shitty Josie's dad treats her, he's not surprised that Josie's such a control freak. And I was like, oh, Miles is in town. No wonder Josie's acting like Catzilla. <laughs> nice. Isn't it great when girls can recognize each other's bitch triggers and accept them and then just like move past it all? Like, when my best friend at work acts like a total bitch last week about something, and I know I don't agree with her, it's because A, she's about to get her period, and B, her team is short-staffed. A few days later, she's back to her sweet, bleeding heart self. It, it's just how we are. We know when something's up, and we can forgive it. Archie says, he was born alone, he'll die alone, he'll sing alone, weirdo. 
Then at the Cooper house, Jughead climbs a ladder to Betty's bedroom window like he's freaking Sam and this is Clarissa explains it all. Except he gives her great big puppy dog eyes and says, hey there Juliet. And thus the bughead shippers were lit a fire and the internet didn't know what fucking hit it. She's super happy to see him and lets him in of course. And she tells him that her parents are crazy they're crazy and he's like yeah they're parents they're all crazy we're all crazy but we're not our parents Betty and she's like then he just kind of stares at her so she's like uh what and then he just goes for it he just fucking goes for it and kisses her and when you're like oh so sweet Betty is jolted with an epiphany and says the car and Jughead is like really that's what you're thinking about during our moment? Don't you notice how this flop of raven hair is so perfectly splayed across my forehead? It would make any girl who, you know, is too young to have seen Big Daddy just go full moister than an oyster. I mean, how rude, Betty. <laughs> Don't you notice my hair? I'm, like, sexy now. But his journalist side takes over, so he agrees to investigate. And <laughs> she needs to know, Juggy. So at the talent show... We get some god-awful product placement with CoverGirl products, which thankfully go away after this season, but dear god. Val apologizes to Josie, and they agree to let her back in the Pussycats because there's always room for one more, one more kitty in Josie's <laughs> litter box, and luckily she happened to have an extra pair of cat ears. Isn't that handy? Where'd they come from? I thought there were only three. <sighs> So we go to the talent show, not the talent show, the variety show, where Josie and the Pussycats are playing, and everybody is just super into this awesome cover of a Donna Summer song, including Sweet Little Archiekins, but not Josie's dad. And we're going to cut back and forth here to Betty and Jack headfronting the car and, and the variety show, but I think it's here that we see the same Riverdale sign from a pilot, and it's nowhere near the river. It's out on like Route 44 or whatever Polly said. I mean, maybe it's a different sign and I'm just not good with details and really good at accusing the show of having plot holes because I just want to see them everywhere. But I'm just grown to see them everywhere. I mean, that's how I've been conditioned. But I think it might be the same sign and it's like in the middle of the woods, but I digress. So without gloves, they rip the tarp off the car and start handling all the shit inside, including blocks of marijuana. Finally, Betty gets a damn clue and says, wait, Juggy, put this down. It's all evidence. I mean, it's a little too late, girl, but yes, you should not be touching anything, you dumb kids. They do take pictures of everything, which is more than I can say for uh, the liar squad. I'm pretty little liars, so good on them. Good on Betty and Jughead. Oh, wait, someone is lurking in the bushes. Wonder who that is. Very, very A of them to do that. Josie's dad takes off during their performance, and you can just see how crushed she is. Like, what an asshole. After they run off stage after the, the song's over, Kevin gives my favorite line ever about the Pussycats and says, That was Josie and the Pussycats. Long tails and ears for hats. While he does this cool hop, Kevin's the best, you guys. Kevin Keller for president, y'all. Unless he's the killer, then, like, maybe not. But then again, we can't do much worse at this point, so <laughs> let's let's just put him up there. 
<laughs> Archie is waiting backstage to, con- to congratulate Val as they run off stage. So he's next when, pardon me, but weren't the Pussycats headlining this shindig? Why does Archie go after them? The fuck is that all about? Do they know what headlining means? You're the big act. Nobody goes after you. You're the ones that everybody's there to see. Some kid that nobody's heard of who hasn't even performed live before is getting to go after the Pussycats? I don't even think so. Fine. He goes out there, though. And, of course, he doesn't bomb. Oh, and KJ's muscles are straight up about to rip through this button-up shirt. It's not a bad look on him. (laughs) Reggie heckles him again, and he sees the wolf masks on the bulldog's faces, but he gathers his self-confidence, and Josie is pissed that he's actually good and doesn't bomb. That's her thing, damn it. I mean, like, she's, she's the musician. It's, it's her hobby. Well, her isn't apparently half this damn school, but anyway... Betty and Jughead run into the school and find Sheriff Keller to tell him about the car in the woods. And there's this moment where Betty hears Archie on the intercom while he's singing, and she pauses, but then makes the choice to go as Sheriff and Jughead. So thank goodness she isn't still so hung up on Archie that she would derail the investigation of her almost brother-in-law's murder for Archie's ego. Thank you. Naturally, though, he gets a standing ovation for his little folk performance because he's Archie Golden Boy Andrews, and after he goes off stage, Val kisses him, and you know what? I ship it, because even though Archie gets on my nerves this episode, Val is the fucking coolest, and I am all here for whatever she wants. Veronica walks into Fred and Hermione talking about how the Sodale construction bid has been awarded to Andrews Construction. Veronica looks taken aback, but concedes this fight. So, while that mother and daughter relationship is crumbling and is on the rocks, Josie and her mom are apparently very tight. And I love how her mom comes into the bathroom to comfort her, and they have just like this moment that felt so so real. Like Mayor McCoy is often, you know, described or depicted as very sinister and with ulterior motives but this was a moment where she was a really good mom because her dad is a total dick I mean god like I'm so glad that my dad was always at all of my performances I mean he sat in the back with a straight face like he couldn't be more bored but you know what he was there he didn't get up and leave like a total jerk so then we go back to the car And you know what? Um, That car was set on fire and then like in just rapid pace. So the car set on, the car was set on fire. Betty and Jaghead break into the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. Polly has broken her window and jumped out. There's blood. So you know that, that she bled probably a lot. And homegirl, sweet Pollykins, it's not just you anymore. You're the vessel for that baby, and you need to think about his or her needs for their mother to have enough blood in their system to grow the baby. Also, she presumably fell like three stories to the ground. That's not that's not great for your health and well-being either, Polly. But as Betty and Jughead look out the window like they're going to see her somewhere, we get the, the end title card. This is Riverdale. Okay, so the most Archie moment... Not a lot here, but I have two, I think, that are that are small. Um, Caramel the Cat makes an appearance in the flashback with Childhood Betty. 
I'm sorry if you just heard that air conditioner blowing, but I'm burning up. Polly and Jason have, oh, and there's a flash of Polly and Jason's relationship where it's definitely like milkshakes and letter jackets and everything. And that felt kind of Archie comics, but whatever. Best Blossom Burn? There were no blossoms in this episode. Well, I mean, we saw Jason, but he doesn't ever have any lines. But no Cheryl. What a rip. <laughs> I'm going to give it to Alice, though. She's going to get an honorary Blossom Burn for calling out Hal for being too big of a wuss to be the murderer. <laughs> that, was, that was a really good scene. Okay, so good, bad, funnies. Uh, my good this week? Okay, so it was a great episode overall. I love the tension amongst all of her families. Um, but I think I'm going to give the good to Betty for taking shit into her own hands and handling it. She, she's sick of being manipulated by everybody else. So good on her. The bad, just Polly. The character could have been so much better. I'm just, I'm really disappointed. Funny, uh, when, <laughs> when Jughead is just perplexed that Betty would have, still have thoughts of her own during their first kiss. Like, I know your sister's locked up in a place probably, or your sister's, you know, locked up in a place and probably being tortured and whatever, but I'm kissing you. <laughs> you should be thinking about me. Oh, teenage boys. For changes, if I was in the writer's room, I know I'm beating a dead horse here, but again, Polly, I would change her character to be... Um, more interesting <laughs> to be a little darker not just a little banoodles and easy to to flip out but actual like cool I'd make her really fucking cool and dark for Sabrina news really don't have any this week the only news that we've got is that Salem the cat is gonna be in it because like I mean as if he wasn't there wouldn't be Sabrina the teenage witch without Salem the cat so, but so that's like some non news for Skeet's Dadgram Corner, it's, I, since both Archie and Josie were heavily featured in this episode, I'm going to use one from January 30th when Ashley Murray, who plays Josie, posted a picture of her and KJ Appa making these really adorable, smug, smiley faces, and she put the caption, when someone says that you're cute, but you already knew that. So Skeet commented with, ha 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 three exclamation points because of course too cute hard eyes emoji <laughs> like I can actually hear him ha ha hawing and it just makes my heart all warm and fuzzy god love you skeet never change all right pals I think that's it for today don't forget to subscribe rate and review if you want to create a dialogue about any of the episodes that have aired for Riverdale, not just ones that I've covered yet, you can reach out to me at Sheree on Twitter, and that's C-H-E-R-I-E-E-B-E-E, -E -E -E. so my name, and then, you know, B, like, bzz, B that stung you, um, or Sheree04, that's, again, that's C-H-E-R-I-E-E-04 -E -E on Instagram, or you can email us at realhousewivesofriverdale at gmail.com. Don't hesitate to call me out if you think I missed something in the recaps or if you think I'm wrong or if you have curated a better blossom burn or skeet comment or even Archie comic moment because, you know, while I read the comics 
in my elementary days. I don't remember a ton, so let's talk about it. And I hope you'll tune in next week. We'll make the wind springtime and jingle jangle sing time. Right on to the summer and the Don't you be sleeping when I come creeping down the hall.